Well, that's true, isn't it? You know, the Bible even says that over in the book of Isaiah chapter 55 that God's ways are not our ways. And, uh, boy, we want things to happen. If you're like me right now, Lord, but sometimes it just don't work out that way, does it? But I appreciate the song. Thank you so much. All right. How many of you brought your Bible tonight? We hold up the Word of God all over the building. And I want to ask you to join me now in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19 tonight. I have an old Schofield Bible. It's page 1,025. And I want to read three verses here tonight and then just kind of just, if you'll just bear with me, i got three things I'd like to say about this text here this evening. Uh, Matthew, chapter 19. Now, don't forget that even though it's Bible school week, that we still have prayer meeting service on Wednesday night. Now, we will not be having soul winning. We don't have... Uh, uh, the dining hall, all of that will kind of be off, uh, off limits to us this week. So we will not be having soul winning Wednesday night, but we will have service starting at 7 o'clock. So if you want to come at 6.30 and watch the children go through all their, uh, you know, the opening exercises or whatever of the of Bible school, feel free to do that. But then our service will get underway at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So I want to invite you to come back and be with us again. Uh, on Wednesday night. All right, Matthew chapter 19. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. Well, let me read some verses now, and then I'm going to ask you to leave your Bibles open and follow me for just a moment. Look at verse 13. Here's what the Bible said. Then were there brought unto him. So let me say it like this. Then were there brought unto Jesus little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuke them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Now I'm going to ask you to leave your Bibles open there for just a moment. And I want to share some things with you from the Word of God. And just really, if I can, my whole point tonight is this. I want to encourage you to really pray for Bible school this week. All right? Be much in prayer for Bible school. Let's pray. Father, bless your Word tonight. I pray and speak to our hearts in this service tonight. God, may you burden our hearts uh, as members of this church. May you burden our hearts for Bible school this week. Help us, I pray. And I pray for a good week a Bible school. Help us, please, in Jesus' name, amen. In the verses preceding the ones that I have read tonight in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, we find that the Lord Jesus has been asked by the Pharisees regarding the subject of divorce. If you look back up in verse number 3, the Bible said the Pharisees also came unto Jesus, tempting him. And saying unto him, is it lawful for man to put away his wife for every cause? These Pharisees, and by the way, they're just trying to trick Jesus, uh, get him to say something wrong, but they come to him with a question about divorce. And then if you'll look in verse number 4 and 5 and verse number 6, Jesus takes them back to God's original plan. Now, what was the original plan of God regarding regarding marriage and the covenant of marriage. Well, look at verse, verse number 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning male, uh, made them male and female? So right up front, right up front, we come to understand that God's original plan in marriage 
was for males and females to be united together in the covenant of marriage. And by the way, God's never deviated from that. Now, I know we're living in a culture today that's embraced this idea of same-sex marriage, and, and, and I, 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 I don't agree with that. I don't even understand that. But that's the culture that we're living in in these last days. But let me tell you something, friend. God's never changed his mind about it. No, not one bit. Hey, we can enact laws that we want to enact. We can put our approval upon things that God totally is disapproving of, but it doesn't change the fact God said that I made them male and female. Now, that's God's original plan when it comes to the covenant of marriage, male and female. And then he goes on to say in verse number, verse number 5, and he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave, unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. It's really a miracle what God does in the, in the concept of marriage. God takes a man and a woman with all of their differences, with all of their personality cliques and personality, all their different aspects about them, and God brings them together in the covenant of marriage, and God makes them to become one flesh. Many times when we have funerals and the spouse of the one that I'm doing the funeral for is sitting down here on the front, I always normally say normally in, in, a, in a funeral ceremony something to this effect, well, I want you to know, I know you children, I know it hurts you that your daddy is gone or your mama, whatever the case may be, but let me just remind you that a part of your parent has just died because when a loved one dies, and they're married, literally, a part of the other person has died because God brings two and makes them into one flesh. A miracle. So Moses, or Jesus goes back to the original plan, but then he talks about the continual problem. Look again in this same text, verse number 7, and he goes all the way back into the days of Moses. And by the way, you've got to understand that divorce was a problem in Moses' day. Divorce was a problem in the Lord Jesus' day, and unfortunately, divorce is still a problem in our day. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up in here tonight who's been through a divorce. If you're a second marriage and you're doing your best to live for God, hey, I just want to encourage you, hang on, live for the Lord, do your best, and to make your life count for God. I just want to encourage you. But let me just say this. If you've never been down that road, that's not God's plan whatsoever for your life. It was a continual problem, and to this very day, it is still a continual problem to this day. He reaches back. Look at verse number 7. Why did Moses then command to give a writing divorce? And then Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, the callousness of your heart. That word hardness is where we get our English word sclerosis from. A crusty, hardening of the heart. Moses said the whole reason people get divorced is because their heart's not right. The whole reason that people get divorces is because their heart is not right. You mean to tell me that two saved people that have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, that the Holy Spirit on the inside of the man is going to fall, have a falling out with the Holy Spirit on the inside of the woman, and they're just going to go their separate ways? I don't believe that for a second, friend. I believe that God puts us together, and by the help and the grace of God, we need to do our best by God's help to stay together. So we have, a, we have a, the original plan. We have the continual problem. But did you notice following right on the heels of that, God started talking about the special people. Look, if you will, now. It, I, don't think it's not, I don't think it's accidental. I don't even think it's coincidental. 
But I think it's fundamental that right after Jesus started talking about divorce, that he started talking about children. Because can I tell you something? The, the people that really hurt the most when divorce happens is the precious children that's left behind to deal with the aftermath of divorce. Look at, if you will now, Jesus in verse 13 begins to talk about little children. Now, in our text, I find it interesting that right after this, Jesus brings up the subject of little, little children. So I'm just going to use this tonight more or less as a springboard, but I want to preach on this thought right here. I want to preach tonight on this subject, why our church tries to reach little children. Why does our church try to reach Little children. Now, every Sunday, every Sunday, we send buses out into five different counties surrounding our church. And they pick up people and they bring them to the house of God. Now, I'm not going to lie and tell you that everybody that rides our church buses is little children because we bring in several adults on the church buses and they're just as welcome as anybody else. But the majority of the riders of our church buses are just little children. We spend a great amount of money out of our church budget every year trying to bring little children to the house of God. We spend money on buses and insurance and, of course, on gas and on maintenance. And, and then we spend money on preparing meals and, and then various classes in our church. And even individuals give money to classes to support different bus routes because we want to reach little children as a part of this church. By the way, let me thank all of our bus workers today on the good job that you did of bringing little children and everybody that you brought to the house of God today. Thank you for your labor yesterday in the, in the intensity of the heat. Thank you for getting out there yesterday and knocking on doors. And then thank you for crawling on church buses today and, and, uh, and picking up riders. And thank you for sweating it out. Coming over here and your deodorant's already run off. And you smell bad. when you, I'm, I'm, I'm Not everybody, but some of you do. And you smell bad. When you, I'm kidding. I smell bad. I'm, I'm sweating like a polecat tonight up here. I don't know how a polecat sweats, but if I was one, I'd be sweating like one. But thank you for your labor. Thank you for picking them up. Thank you for you guys that preach over there in them children's churches every Sunday morning. Thank you for you nursery workers that look after these little babies that are brought in. And thank you for those of you that work in the cafeteria who uh, try to feed and, and provide a meal for all of those children that we bring in. Our church tries to reach little children. This week, of course, as I said a moment ago, is the week of Vacation Bible School. And I want to encourage you, please... Somebody said, Vacation Bible School. <laughs> Bible School. Man, I'm telling you, God has given us a great week, a great open door of opportunity to reach a lot of hearts and lives of little children this week. But we ought not to take that as, as sheer boredom, but we ought to be engaged and be praying much. I know you probably can't come every night, but you can pray every day and ask God to bless the Bible school this week. For the ages of three up through the sixth grade, we have the opportunity this week to reach a lot of young children that are going to walk through the doors of Woodland Baptist Church, and we have the privilege this week to present the Lord Jesus to these little children, and who knows, they may get saved this week. This may be the week that God changes the rest of their life. It could happen. And boy, we ought to really be engaged and pray much for Bible school. 
So our church goes out of its ways. I make no bones about it. I'm not apologizing for that. Hey, we're not just after numbers, friend. We're not just after baptismal certificates. We're after souls, whether they be older souls, younger souls, middle-aged souls. We're after people that try to get them saved, but especially little children. Now, I've got to tell you why. Why does our church try to reach little children? Well, you write, if you keep notes, write, I just put three reasons down why our church tries to reach little children. I put this down. Number one, our church tries to reach little children because little children are precious to the Savior. They are precious to the Savior. Now, you know, living in this day and age and these last days that we're living in, I mean, we understand this is a great day of violence against little children. I mean, we're living in a society today that takes advantage of little children. I read this week the World Health Organization. They said this, every year there are one billion children between the ages of 2 and 17 that are abused either physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally, or by neglect. Now you stop and think about that. One billion with a B, children. There's only 7 billion plus people on the earth. So one-seventh of all of us living on this earth as a little child are going to be abused, either physically, be beaten, sexually, emotionally, verbally, or either by neglect are going to be abused every year somewhere on this earth. Then I read this. One out of every five girls, one out of every 20 boys have been the, uh, have been the victim of sexual abuse. And most of it occurs between the ages of 7 and 14 years old. Can you believe that? And three out of every four of those that have been sexually abused have been abused by some member of their family. Mama's brought a new boyfriend in. That's, this, that's the result of divorce. Mama brings a new boyfriend in. While Mama's back is turned, some boy, uh, some, her boyfriend is abusing uh, her little daughter. Every nine minutes in America, a little child is abused. Every nine minutes. Last year in America, 57,329 arrests were made last year in America because of some type of, of abuse of a little child. Can I tell you something? We live in a warped society, friend. We live in a sick society. When a man will look at a little girl running around and think impure thoughts, let me tell you something, friend. That guy is a pervert. That guy is a deviant. That guy, man, is warped. That person is wicked, friend. Yes, sir. And we're living in a society where that is going on and it is common as a cold. Children are being abused and they're being neglected and assaulted like never before. But can I tell you something? Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus sure did love little children. You read through the four Gospels as Jesus, and I'm going I'm to use the word meandered around. Of course, he didn't do anything without purpose. But as Jesus moved from place to place in the four Gospels, the one thing that you're going to, what have I done here? Spit all over me or what? What in the world is that flour off of them donuts that I ate on the way to... T but anyway, 
What was we talking about? Yeah, tithing. Getting back to tithing now for just a minute. But you watch the Lord Jesus in the four Gospels as he went from place to place. You can't help but notice how many times in the four Gospels that Jesus dealt with children. I mean, you stop and think about it. I, these are just some off the top of my head. But what about a man by the name of Jairus? a ruler of the synagogue, and yet the Bible said he had a 12-year-old girl that was very sick at the point of death, and he besought Jesus to come and to touch his little daughter and to heal her, and by the time he got delayed because that woman touched him, and finally when he gets there, the little girl is dead, but Jesus went up there where the little girl lay, and the Bible said that he touched her and he brought her back to life. You know why? I'll tell you why. He sure does love little children. I think about that man over in Mark chapter 9 that had that boy that was possessed with that unclean spirit. And the, that man said, Jesus, my boy has oftentimes cast himself into the fire and he's oftentimes cast himself into the water. He was trying to destroy himself. But G the, the daddy looked at Jesus and said, if you can do anything, have mercy and help us. And by the time that story is over, Jesus has dismissed that unclean spirit out of that little boy and restored that relationship i tell you one thing. He sure must love little children. You remember that woman of Syrophoenicia who came to the Lord Jesus and her daughter, so says the Bible, was grievously vexed and, and she besought the Lord to touch him. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm sent, but to the lost house of, of Israel. She said, truth, Lord, but even the dogs receive crumbs from the master's table. And by the time the story is over, Jesus has dismissed from afar the unclean spirit from that woman's daughter. I'll tell you one thing. He sure must love little children. Yes, sir, the Bible affirms the fact that Jesus, little children, are precious to the Lord Jesus. In our text tonight, look here, in our text, the Bible said they brought unto him little children. Can I stop and say, that must say a lot about the personality of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he, little children love to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. I, I, to me, that says a whole lot just about the, 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 the overall demeanor and the personality of the Lord Jesus. He must not have been the cosmic killjoy that people try to make him out to be in our day. He must have been a person with a very pleasant personality. He must have been a person that you wanted to be around. It made you feel wanted and felt loved and just had a, a jovial personality because little children wanted to be around him. And the Bible said that they brought little children unto him that he should put his hands on them. And the disciples came and rebuked those people. Hey, don't you understand? I, I don't know what they said. I'm reading between the lines. Maybe they said, hey, won't you? Jesus don't have time for them little children. Man, Jesus is busy. He's got to go here and preach today. and He's teaching tomorrow over in the synagogue. And we've got to go by this place. And he's got to feed this crowd. He's busy. Get those little children away. And Jesus said in verse number 14, You suffer those little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Amen. Listen, I know we get excited when people start getting saved and they're 70 and 80 and 90 years old. But let me tell you what I believe brings great pleasure to the, pleasure to the heart of the Lord Jesus is when them little children start running down the aisle and getting saved. We yawn about it. Oh, just a little child. But Jesus said, hey, you let them come on. Hey, can I stop and say this while I'm right here? You that's got those little children, don't you forbid them from coming to the altar. Hey, let them come up here and pray. Let them, let them come to the altar. You come with them. You need to come with them. You come with them. 
Teach them this is not the place to come up and play, but let them come to the altar. Let them pray. Let them get familiar. Don't forbid them from the presence of the Savior. There'll be one day you want them in this presence, and they don't want anything to do with him by then. The Bible said that Jesus said, let them come. Don't forbid them. And then we read in verse number 16 that he laid his hands on them. Boy, what a touch. Then I like what Mark said about this same incident in Mark chapter 10, verse 16. The Bible said he took them up, these little children, up in his arms. Can you not see that? The Lord Jesus with these little children just crowded all around them. And he just took them up in his arms and he touched them and he, and he, and he blessed them. Oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Children are precious to our Savior. That's right. Why, the Bible said over in Matthew chapter 18, look at these verses. I'm going I'm to wrap this up. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said this about little children. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name. Read that with me. Hey, as my little grandson said, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Can I say this? When we bring them little children in on those buses, Jesus said, when you love them, Hey, Woodland, when y'all receive them, I walk in right among that crowd because if you receive one of those little children, when you welcome them in, when you let them in, you're letting me in. When you receive them, you're receiving me. And then Jesus went on to say this. Boy, I tell you, I tell you our society needs to sit up and listen to this. But whosoever, whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, Hey, you better be careful how you treat a little child, especially those that believe in Jesus. Jesus said it would be better for a millstone to be uh, were hanged about his neck and he were drowned in the dead. Jesus said, if you're going to mistreat one of these little children, we're going to soak you in concrete and let you go for a swim. Let me tell you why. Children are precious to the Savior. I can't get over that. When you receive them, you receive me. Hey, don't you ever be mean or negative to these little bus kids. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. If they're doing something in the bathroom like shoving rolls of toilet paper in the, in the, in the commode, go ahead and say, hey, please don't do that. This is God's house. We want to take care of God's house. Don't treat God's house like this, but don't be mean to them. Yes, sir. When you see them running up down the hallway here, maybe they're not dressed like we think they ought to be dressed. Maybe they don't smell like we think they ought to smell. Hey, but I'll tell you what, Jesus loves them. They're precious to the Savior. Let me say number two. You know why we try to reach them? Not only because they're precious to the Savior, but number two, because they're prospects for salvation. Now, why did Jesus come into the world? I'll tell you why he came into the world. He came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, he don't put any age limits on that. No, sir. Uh, he, he, everybody knows uh, when it comes to the subject of salvation that a little child is tender when they're young. You know, they, they haven't felt the hardships of life. You know, when you're a child, life's not near as complicated it is as it is when you get to be my age. 27. <laughs> Shut up. Life becomes very complicated the older you get. Yes, it is. It be, the life becomes very tougher the older you get. But when you're a child, most children don't have a care in the world. They don't have car payments. They don't have house payments. 
They don't have the job that they've got to worry about keeping. They don't have groceries to put on the table. I mean, most of them, it's a very carefree life. Life is not complicated when, when, you're, when you're a little child. So as a little child, we have greater opportunity and greater potential to reach them uh, for the glory of God. They have a greater chance to be saved while they're young. They're prospects for salvation. Let me go back to that Matthew chapter 18 again. Look at these verses here. Matthew 18, verse 2. Jesus called a little child. There he is again. And little children around him. You want to get near to the heart of God. Invest your heart and lives into little children. Man, get involved in the bus ministry. Love on these little kids that nobody ever loves on. Man, show them some attention some affection, and I know we got to be careful, and I want to caution you to be careful about that. Uh, you men in here, you be careful about hugging little girls, and ladies, be careful. And I know, I know, we're, it's just as innocent as it can be, but look, we're, we're living in a, in a different day, and you got to be careful about that. But we can show them affection and attention in different ways. But I tell you what, you want to touch the heart of God, you, you get involved in the lives of little children. Jesus said, called a little child and set him in the midst of them. And then here's what he said. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, hey, if you want to get saved, come up here and act like an adult. Did he say that? If you want to get saved, I tell you, grow up. Jesus said, no, you won't get saved. You won't get converted. Come up here and act like a child. That's what he said. Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to say this, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know something? A little child ain't full of pride like us adults are. A little child, his life is not as complicated his heart is so tender and pliable. He's very trusting. He's very believing. He's very humble. And he's a candidate for salvation. That's the reason the Bible said over in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, in verse number 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Read this with me. Remember now thy... Y'all ain't reading this with me. Remember now thy Creator. Say it with me now. In the days of thy youth. The best time to get somebody saved is when they're young. When their hearts are pliable and tender to the Spirit of God. And you can move. If I had a big old plat of cement set up here this morning, and it, uh, tonight, and it was fresh cement, just been poured in, I could take a steel rod and drive it down in there. And for a while... I can move that steel rod however I want to move it in that plat of cement. But I tell you, after a while, when that cement begins to set up and get hard, the less I can move that steel rod until eventually it gets so hard that it'd be stuck in whatever position it was in. A heart, a ch the child of a heart is tender toward the things of God. They'll believe you, friend. They're humble. They're, they're trusting. And that's why we're told... Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy... And then notice what it says, when the evil days come not. Before your life gets too complicated in sin, before you can't put the liquor bottle down, 
Hey, before you can't do away with the dirty drug needle. Hey, before you can't get out of that immoral relationship. Before you can't get off that gambling or that pornography. Before the evil days come. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. When the evil days come not, and then watch this, nor the years draw nigh. You get old. And, you, and you've seen it all and you get cynical. And you get calloused and you get critical. And you don't believe anything anymore because you've seen too much before the years draw nigh while you're young so you don't say, don't have no pleasure in all that. I'm just trying to say tonight, ladies and gentlemen, hear me and hear me well, the best time to get somebody saved is when they're young. And I know we get excited. I led Ed to the Lord this past week. Ed's 78 years. Is Ed here tonight? Uh, he's not here. 78. I'm going to baptize him next Sunday morning. He can't hear it thunder, bless his heart. Maybe that's why he got saved. I just told him to get saved. He said, what would you say? I said, get saved. He said, yes, sir, let's do it. He's going to get baptized. Man, I rejoiced over that coming down the road. 78 years old. You know what a miracle that is, somebody 78 years old to get saved? I'm going to baptize him next Sunday morning. But can I tell you something? An even greater miracle It's when a five or six or seven-year-old boy walks down the aisle, little girl, and opens their heart because look at me. If they'll live for God, not only has their soul been saved, but their entire life has been saved. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not, but it's called the 414 window. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not. But there's something actually called the 414 window. And what that 414 window is talking about the best ages, the greatest opportunity, the, the time that the window is opened the, 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 the widest to anybody getting saved is between the ages of 4 and 14. So they call it the 414 window. That's right. Listen to this. According to Barna, the research, Barna research group, here's what they said. Out of 1,000 saved people that they asked, 1% were saved between the ages of 0 to 4. That's pretty young to get saved. But let's face it, some people have a greater mentality. They comprehend better uh, than others. I'm still trying to figure some things out. I still ain't got it down how a brown cow can eat green grass, give white milk, and yellow butter. I'm still confused about all that. But there's some people that grab a hold of that. Zero to four, one percent of those thousand got saved. From the ages of 15 to 30, 10 percent of them got saved. Above the, uh, and beyond the age of 30, 4% got saved, but between the ages of 4 and 14, 85% of the 1,000 got saved. Well, I tell you what, God has given us an opportunity this week. There's going to be all kind of kids from 3 all the way up through the 6th grade, which is what age? 12, probably, somewhere right around in our 12, 13 or whatever. They flunked a couple of times. I liked a few grades. I liked them so nice. I did them twice. I don't know about how these kids are going to do. But, uh, but can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? What a great opportunity. Let me tell you why we try to reach little children. Because they're prospects for salvation. That's right. Some old hard, callous somebody. It's hard to get them saved. These little old kids, you can stand up and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. If you'll open your heart, he'll be saved. Here they come. Down the aisle, give their heart to Jesus. Amen. Prospect for salvation. And then number three, 
Here's why we try to reach little children. They're precious to the Savior. They're prospects for salvation. But we try to reach them because of their potential for service. Can I tell you something? There's no telling. I, I, I don't know. Can I do this real fast? I meant to do this a minute ago. Can I do this? Everybody in this room that is saved, stand up. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but everybody saved, stand up. All right, if you got saved before the age of four, sit down. If you got saved after the age between 30 and 50, sit down. 30 and 50, sit down. If you got saved after you were 50 years old, sit down. If you got saved between the ages of four years old and 16 years old, Everybody else sit down. Y'all, I, I think I may have fooled some of y'all. If you got saved between the age of 4 and 14, stand up. I fooled a lot of y'all, didn't I? All right, can I uh, watch this now? Look around this room right here. Majority of people in this room that got saved got saved between the 414 window. And that's the way it works, man. That's why we're trying to reach these kids. That's why we run church buses. People say, oh, I don't know why you won't bring them on bus kids in here, right on our walls, and throw toilet paper and stop up there. Come on, I'll tell you why we're going to do it, bless God, because they can get saved. That's why we're going to. You can sit down. Thank you so much. But then their, their, their potential for service. I got to going through the Bible this afternoon. I just got to thinking about the, the young people in the Bible that God used in a mighty way. What about Joseph? 17 years old. What about, uh, what, about, what about David? Most people believe David was probably about 16 years old when he fought Goliath. What about Josiah, the boy king? Eight years old. Led one of the greatest revivals Judah ever had. What about Samuel? Took over for Eli when he got old and fell out of the chair and broke his neck. And them boys went off into sin, laying with women at the door of the house of God. God called a little Samuel up. You're going to be the next leader, spiritual leader in the nation of Israel, the next judge in Israel. Young people. Hey, what about Timothy in the New Testament? Just a young man, but God used him. I, I can see this. Can I, can I ask you to do this and I'm done? Did I ask you all to put that Acts 16, one verse up? Can I read you something right here? Look at this. This is Paul. He's on his second missionary journey, and I'm done. So he comes to Derby and Lystra. Now, these are the area, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, that makes up the churches of Galatia that we have a book in our Bible called Galatians. So he, Paul has come back. He's already been there. He started churches before. And, and the Bible said that when he gets there, that there's a young man by the name of Timothy who gets saved. His mama was a believer already. We know Eunice and uh, Lois. But his daddy was a Greek, which seems to indicate to me his daddy's not saved. But old Timothy got saved, just a young man. I can see Paul, maybe, and I know they didn't have cell phones, but humor me for just a moment. I can see Paul call back to Antioch. So I said, hey, Paul, how'd your services go today? And Paul said, well, you know, he said, didn't a whole lot happen today. He said, we had one young boy walk down the aisle. His name was Timothy. But he said, outside of that, didn't nobody get saved. And the person he's called in Antioch, maybe, uh, maybe Cyrene, he says, well, 
Paul, don't get discouraged. Just keep on. There'll be some folks that'll get saved. And Paul said, well, I hope so. Because I tell you, man, just getting one little old child saved. But look what that boy went on to do. We have two books in our Bible called First and Second Timothy. He went on to pastor in the city of Ephesus. Later on, become an evangelist. No telling how many people got saved. And they said, well, didn't much happen today. Just a little boy walked down the aisle and gave his heart. You and I never know who's coming to Jesus. Can I tell you something? Could be the next president of the United States. We need a good one, don't we? Hey, could be the next pastor of some church. Could be the next wife of a great preacher, missionary. You never know. That's why our church tries to reach little children. Hey, so don't you scoff this week when we say, oh, it's Bible school week, bless her heart. Hey, pray. Pray much. Because we never know what God might do in the heart and life of one of these young children. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you.